listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. So this is the scripture reading today. It's Psalm 107, 1 through 9. And again, since it's the Psalms, I'm going to be singing it today. give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so those he redeemed from trouble and he gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west from the north and from the south some wandered in desert wastes finding no way to an inhabited town hungry and thirsty their soul fainted within them then they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress he led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town let them thank the lord for his steadfast love for his wonderful works to humankind for he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things thank you Paige tell you, Paige has sung the Psalms for the last two Sundays, and I must have played last week's recording for like seven people this past week. It's so cool. I like that. We should, we should sing the scripture readings every week. Maybe not. Good morning, everybody. So um, we're in the midst of a new teaching series here at Brockport First Baptist on the book of Psalms. Um, and if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you to go online either to our website or to iTunes, Google Play. We're on all the major platforms and listen to the message you missed. Um, Because one, you'll get to hear another psalm sung, um, but two, we covered a lot of really important introductory stuff on the book of Psalms last week, so you'll want to check that out. Um, To recap just a bit, uh, this series is going to be a little different from what we've done in the past. Uh, Psalms is a book of poetry plopped right in the middle of our Bibles, and many, if not all, of these poems in the book would have been originally set to music. So for the next like six or seven weeks, we're going to hear these psalms sung every single week here in church. And if you look in your bulletins, uh, on the flip side of the announcements page, you'll find something new. Uh, It's labeled, Going Deeper with the Psalms. Um, This is a guide of sorts for you to actually use the psalms in your everyday prayer life. Uh, In addition to being the hymnal of ancient Israel, the book of Psalms is really a prayer book. Every one of these 150 poems can be used as a prayer. And so we're giving you this 
kind of as a guide if you want to go a bit deeper and incorporate these psalms in your daily prayer life. We're going to give you this each week with a new set of psalms you can try it with, and I really encourage you to check that out and give it a try. Now, the way we've structured this series, each week, we're going to be looking at a different genre from the book of Psalms, a different type of psalm we find in our Bibles. Um, last week, we kicked things off by talking about praise psalms, these, these, uh, these songs or these hymns that give glory to God out of a sense of awe and wonder. And this week, we're looking at the psalms of thanksgiving. Full disclosure right up front, though. Coming into this series... The Psalms of Thanksgiving is probably the genre I was least excited to talk about. Like, that changed as I really began to dig into these Psalms, but there's just something about Psalms of Thanksgiving that doesn't intrigue me. It doesn't speak to me for some reason, if I'm honest. Maybe I'm just really ungrateful. (laughs) Possible. Next week, though, we're going to look at Lament Psalms. Lament Psalms are the sad ones. They're the dark brooding psalms, the psalms that cry out to God in mourning, saying, God, where are you? Where have you gone? Why have you forsaken me? That's my kind of stuff, right? That is, that's my kind of psalm. I'm, I'm one of those kids in high school, I had like a lip ring and painted my fingernails black. You know you can see it. Lament psalms speak to me on a very deep level. And then in February, uh, first Sunday of February, if I plan this out right, we're going to do the imprecatory psalms. That's the cursing psalms. The psalms where the psalmist prays to God, asking God to smite and destroy their enemies. That's going to be fun. I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. That's going to be a blast. But like psalms of thanksgiving, just feels so tame, right? Like it feels so vanilla in comparison, at least to me. I think the problem though, the problem here. Well, it's probably some deeply rooted psychological stuff I need to talk to a therapist about. But the real root of the, my problem with the praise psalms, or the, sorry, Thanksgiving psalms, is that when I think about Thanksgiving, my mind goes to the Hallmark Channel. We just got through Christmas, right? Show of hands, and be honest, how many of you were binging Hallmark Christmas movies like three weeks ago? You know you were doing it. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah, there's like one or two Hallmark Christmas movies that I watch almost every year, and I can't stand this stuff. For some reason, though, like word association, when I hear Thanksgiving or gratitude, my mind goes right to the Hallmark channel, those Hallmark movies. Because what always happens, the plot's always the same, so what happens in those movies? You've usually got this bitter, ungrateful curmudgeon of a character. Maybe they're a workaholic or they lost someone that they loved, or they're just like a misery Scrooge type. But then something happens that softens their hearts. It usually involves um, a child, or falling in love, or a pair of shoes, you know, (laughs) something something like that. They learn to be grateful, they learn to appreciate what they have, and then they live happily ever after. That's what I think of when I think about Thanksgiving. This sort of kind of hollow, vague, feel-good understanding of thankfulness that has really kind of permeated our whole culture, I think. If we want to show people how grateful we are, we post something like this on Facebook. Hashtag blessed, right? Or um, we'll go to Target and we'll show out like 30 bucks for a sign like this one to put in our homes. Inhale blessings, 
exhale gratitude. Which, like, not a bad philosophy, right? Like, of all the philosophies out there, this is a pretty solid one. But there's still this really cynical, jaded, kind of calloused part of me that sees something like this and just rolls my eyes back in my head about as far as they'll go. There's also this one, though, um, always be grateful. <laughs> this one I like. This one I appreciate. I like a good pun. If, if I come to your house and you have this one on your wall, you're going to get a big high five from me. <clears throat> All that to say, though, when I sat down to look at the Psalms of Thanksgiving, I wasn't that excited. Um, but boy, was I surprised by what I found. I want to give you just a sample, a little taste from Psalm 18. This is actually a really long psalm. I'm going to read like half of it. This is a classic psalm of thanksgiving. It's one of the first thanksgiving psalms we find in our Bibles, and it's a doozy. Psalm 18, it'll be on the screen. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. Very famous line from Psalms. Here's where it gets good. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of perdition assailed me. The cords of Sheol, that's like the underworld, Hades, the grave, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry to him reached his ears. See the parallels there we talked about last week? Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals formed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down, thick darkness under his feet. He rode on a cherub, that's a flaming angel, and flew. He came swiftly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him there broke through his clouds hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He reached down from on high, and he took me. He drew me out of the mighty waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. I've got tingles. The poem goes on for like 50 verses. It ends with this. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. For this I will extol you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. I don't know about you, but that is a form of thanksgiving I can get behind. Psalm 18 reads less like a Hallmark movie and more like a disaster film. <laughs> like, it's like some Michael Bay-level stuff in that poem. The psalmist is in trouble. They're fighting for their lives. Death and the grave are encircling them. So they cry out to God for help, and when God shows up, God brings the fire, literally. 
smoke from his nostrils, fire from the heavens, the foundations of the earth shake at the powers of this God who comes to rescue God's servant. And this is poetry, right? So this is all like poetic, metaphorical language. Like you know God doesn't really have nostrils, right? Hopefully we don't have to sort that out. But man, poetry or not, if you've been through some stuff, or if you know someone who's been through some serious stuff, there is something deeply true about a poem like this one. God's like this protective mama bear who will move heaven and earth literally to save her children. That's the picture of God we're getting in this psalm. This psalm is also a really good example of what these, praise, or what these psalms of thanksgiving tend to look like. I want to break this down a bit so you know what to look for. You know you're dealing with a psalm of thanksgiving when you find three things. First is a testimony from the psalmist. Sometimes a testimony uh, is like a more general praise to God, but it's usually something concrete and specific from the psalmist's life, uh, life, some sort of tragedy or threat or violence that they're being delivered from. We have both of those in Psalm 18. It starts off with the more general praise, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God in whom I take refuge. But then once we get to verse 4, we find a much more concrete testimony of what the psalmist was facing. All that stuff about death and the grave encircling them. So the psalm starts with some sort of testimony, then it moves, number 2, to a remembrance of God's deliverance. Verse 6. In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry to him reached his ears. He reached out from on high and took me. He drew me out of the mighty waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. And of course we get all that fire-breathing, smoke-snorting stuff too, which is awesome. That's all part of the psalmist remembering how God showed up for them. Then the third element in almost every psalm of thanksgiving is a pronouncement of thanksgiving to the God who rescues. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, exalted be the God of my salvation. For this I will extol you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Three components to most thanksgiving psalms. Testimony, remembrance, and thanksgiving. Not a bad template for gratitude if you ask me. In fact, let's spend a minute or two on each of these just to unpack this a bit and see what the Psalms have to teach us here. We'll start with testimony. Testimony is a skill that I think we've kind of let go of in our digital age. We've sort of lost sight of the value of a good testimony. When I grew up in church, there were testimonies like almost every week. Someone would testify to what God was doing in their lives. We've kind of lost that a bit, I think. Everybody has their own like personal brand now. Like this whole, this highly cultivated image of ourselves that we project out into the world on our Facebook feeds, on Instagram, at work, at church. It's kind of gross. Cultivating a self-image is like nothing new, but I think the advent of social media has really accelerated it a lot. When you look at someone's Instagram stories, you're not seeing 
them, like who they really are, you're seeing the image of what they want you to see. It's so surface level, so phony. We've substituted like this artificial whitewashed public persona for real, intimate, deep connections and testimony. But it's the testimony that makes these psalms of thanksgiving so powerful. When the psalmist expresses thanksgiving, it's not vague or shallow. It's grounded in real life. It comes from the personal experience of the person writing the psalm. It begins with giving testimony about the challenges and struggles God has helped them overcome. And I think that's something we could recapture. The second element, remembrance, is just as crucial. Uh, Throughout the Bible, over and over again, God is telling God's people to remember the past. Remember how God delivered them before. Remember how I brought you from slavery in Egypt. Remember the promises I made to you and your ancestors. Remember the covenant you made with me on Mount Sinai. God doesn't tell his people to remember because God's desperate for attention, right? God wants us to remember how he's delivered us in the past so that we'll have hope for the present. Remember how I showed up for you before and trust that I'm going to show up for you again. That's why remembrance is so important. I think ungratefulness is rooted in a bad memory. Like, if you ever met anyone who is um, self-made, self-made man, self-made woman, if they really live by that moniker, you know, Everything I've got, I got it myself. No one ever helped me. I pulled myself up by the brute straps. I'm self-made. Yeah. Self-made people are just people with bad memories. People who have forgotten how God has helped them in the past. People who have forgotten how God delivered them and brought them through. Sometimes the problem is we remember all the wrong things, right? We drown ourselves in despair and self-pity, only remembering how we've been let down, how we've been wronged, forgetting all the times we've been rescued. Remember. So important. And then there's the thanksgiving, the third part. The conclusion of almost every psalm of thanksgiving is thanksgiving. But it's a rich understanding of thanksgiving because it's rooted in testimony and remembrance. The Hebrew term for these psalms, for a psalm of thanksgiving, is todah. Let me hear you all say todah. Very good pronunciation. Todah comes from the Hebrew word for a confession or proclamation. Like, uh, to paraphrase Paul, when you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and proclaim that God raised him from the dead, That's todah. It's a declaration of thanksgiving. Todah isn't about feeling all warm and fuzzy. It's not like a a general sense of gratitude. Todah, these psalms of thanksgiving, are a public statement about God's goodness and grace and how we've encountered that grace in our own lives. That's what thanksgiving is about. It's a statement, if the psalms have anything to say about it. Testimony, remembrance, thanksgiving, todah. That's how you know you're dealing with a thanksgiving psalm. 
So every week in this series, we're looking for new creative ways to encounter these psalms together in our worship, and you've got your Going Deeper guide. I really encourage you to use this throughout the week. But I want to conclude this sermon with something special, with all this talk about testimony. So I invited Jan Womble, longtime member of our church, to come up and give a testimony just for a few minutes um, about how God has shown up in her life. Take it away, Jan. Hi there. Relating to Psalm 18, when Pastor Dan asked me to share my expression of thanksgiving to God while overcoming my own hard times, I was first drawn to the word enemy. The word suggests an evil force, kind of monsters attacking us. If I translate enemy differently, perhaps my enemies of cancer or repeated needs for surgery, continual miscarriages or illnesses, can be defined as fear. The enemy then becomes more manageable. As many of you know, I'm held together with spare parts and some medications I've had to take since the age of 20. Being defected, defective at 20 devastated me. Later, after the initial fear and exasperation of some new problem developing, I could always be grateful that new medications or new surgical procedures or devices were available to me. I've come to understand that fear is the greatest enemy. No matter what happens, no matter the outcome of any new challenge, I'll be okay. My faith upholds me in that continually. When we adopted two children, first a gorgeous, delightful little daughter named Debbie, then a handsome little son named Matt, little life seemed uh, pretty complete. Well, they were human too. Both came with some inherited health issues. When my daughter was 14, she needed a spinal fusion because of a birth defect. A year later, it deteriorated. So two years later, it had to be redone for another prolonged illness, time in a hospital bed at home. In, another, in between those two surgeries, she was gang raped, a trauma she hid for several months to protect me until she was in a hospital bed wearing a body cast after the second surgery. The trauma washed over her, and she was just overcome. A pretty helpless feeling for a mom, I can tell you. She did become a registered medical assistant, but was injured on the job, helping an elderly patient, and she became disabled as a result. As is often the case, several years later, before she had dealt with it in therapy, the rape trauma got drowned in alcohol and then drugs. So it became a balancing act for me to avoid enabling yet provide the support she needed for other health issues. Doing the best I could is not just a throwaway phrase. It is my connection with God's support for me. I need his help. I couldn't change anything that was. I couldn't change anything that had happened or choices she might make. All I could change was how I dealt with it. Fear was an instant reaction, but the thankfulness and acceptance uh, gave me strength and made me know that however it turned out would be okay. My beloved Debbie died at 44 as her body shut down. I couldn't help but be grateful that her ordeal was done, that her sweet spirit was set free. Matt also came with the alcohol gene and some mental handicaps. He left home the first time at 16. He told us it was because he knew we wouldn't allow him to come home drunk. 
As he aged, he often told us how grateful he was we were his parents. He understood the values we taught and held others to that standard, but couldn't always live up to them himself. He still hasn't been able to deal with his demons. When he was 52, I connected him with an agency in Rochester, but finally had to distance myself to avoid enabling and to, do the constant, and to end the constant turmoil in my own life, a very difficult thing to do. I finally was blessed with pregnancy and with a wonderful accomplished son, Rob. His life has been very good. He has a lovely wife and two delightful children. In my heart, I've always felt he was my reward for good behavior. The stability he brought kept the rest of my world in balance. None of these enemies was brought by God, but he has never failed to provide the strength I needed to cope. Thankfulness for God's strength has been my constant way to manage. My life has been so rich and so rewarding, and everything is okay. Thanks be to God. Thank you for, so much for that, Shannon. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this church where we can offer our praise and our thanksgiving to you. We thank you for Jan and for her testimony. Lord, help us to testify to the powerful ways that you've delivered us as well. Remind us when we forget of the ways that you have come through for us and proven yourself faithful. And Lord, empower us to go toward Todah, a strong public proclamation of praise and thanksgiving to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.